Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Car Sessions is back. I'm your host, John, better known as Chet O'Hara. The logical sports fan, he has returned to shed light on all things sports talk. You know, while, while I've been away, I had some time to really think about things going on in the sports world, things that, you know, I felt needed to be discussed and, and seriously chatted about. So that a question you're going to ask me is, what exactly do we need to talk about? The logical sports fan, Chet O'Hara, Javi, whatever you know me as, I've been having issues with what I want to call sports media creations. So now a sports media creation is a story that is not necessarily news or is not as big of a deal as it's made out to be. Like when you cut all the fluff out, you cut out all of the hype and the propaganda and all the, the blatant swing of one angle as opposed to the other, you realize that what's being reported on is really not that serious. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what you call a sports media creation. And it's been a lot of that. 2016 has been filled with a lot of sports news that's not necessarily news. The first thing on the list that I have to talk about is that of the Big Ten. A couple weeks ago, I caught a lot of flack on Twitter because I put out there that I felt that the Michigan Wolverines were one of the most overrated teams in recent memory and had no business being in the top four of the college football playoff. I've been saying that for a few weeks now. I've been catching a lot of heat from people in my personal life. And as I mentioned before, people on Twitter, people on Facebook, they are not feeling me when I say that the Michigan Wolverine football team is a sports media creation. I want to take that a step further right now. I want to go deeper beyond the Michigan Wolverines and talk about the Big Ten Conference as a whole. I believe that that entire football conference, with the exception of Ohio State, is a sports media creation. The fact that Michigan, Wisconsin, and Penn State were all left out of the college football playoffs essentially validate my point. Now, a lot of y'all going to be like, yo, Joe, what, what are you talking about, bro? They couldn't make it. You know, they couldn't make it. Ohio State was clearly the best team. You know, Penn State wasn't that good. Penn State, yeah, they, they had an upset victory. Well, yeah, they're not college football playoff material. Wisconsin's not college football playoff material. Michigan is not college football playoff material. They lost to Iowa. How could they get it? I mean, yeah, but a lot of you guys, a lot of you guys are saying the same thing about them deserving to be in the playoffs. Just a week ago, uh, there was a lot of clamoring and a lot of talk about 
the winner of the Ohio, the, the winner of the Penn State and, and Wisconsin game had every right because they won the Big Ten to get into the college football playoff. A lot of people were saying that even with two losses, because of the team that Ohio State lost to, Michigan still had a right to be in the college football playoff because they beat Penn State. They beat Colorado. But then I look around and I look at these teams and I and I and I go past resumes. I go past, you know, who you beat and who you didn't beat, and I look at the football. Penn State is in playoff material. They're not that good. Wisconsin, no. And yeah, Dan sure already know how I feel about Michigan. No. These teams are not on the tier of Ohio State. Is Ohio State as good as it once was? Or as good as it was a year ago when they didn't make the playoffs all together? Hell no. But is Ohio State better than the three teams that I mentioned in this Big Ten conference? Absolutely. Oh, Penn State. They beat Ohio State head to head. What are you saying? Anybody can get caught slipping on any given night in football. Football is a one-game-per-week sample. You get caught slipping, you get beat. In the, in the NFL, for instance, teams don't go 16-0 every year and win the championship. Teams don't go 15-1 every year and win the championship. They might lose about four games. Let's say on average, three to four games that is what the average Super Bowl champion loses in the regular season. So now, college football, you lose a game, you get caught slipping, and now you're not championship quality. Obviously, the committee agrees with Jav. You can get caught slipping and still be the best team in your conference, even if you don't win the conference championship. My argument would be, why didn't they use his logic last season? Because Ohio State was clearly the best team in the Big Ten last year, and they got left out. They didn't even get to play for the championship. They got left out. You know what I'm saying? So why couldn't that logic be used last season? But I guess, you know, they learned the errors of their ways. We should have never had Ohio State out of the playoff last year. They were one of the best teams, if not the best team, last season. They got caught slipping against Michigan. These things happen. Not Michigan, Michigan State. Pardon me. But back to this season, the Big Ten overall sports media creation. I'll take it a step further. They know that certain teams generate interest. Penn State, even with all the scandals, all the Sandusky things that took place, generates it. They generate news, generate information, generate clicks. People would be drawn to the heritage college that is a Penn State. Michigan, need I say more? Michigan, people have been yearning for Michigan to be consistently good since Charles Woodson left. They've had a couple of nice moments, but every time they got to the national stage, with the exception of maybe one or two years, when they got to the bowl game and played teams that they were supposed to be on par with, they got ran out of the stadium. This is facts. I'm not making any of this up. The media needs Michigan to be good. And you got Jim Harbaugh there? Oh, absolutely. Let's boost him up. Who did Michigan who did Michigan beat to be ranked so high in the first place? Now oh, we can only play we can only beat who we play. True indeed. That's a that's a fact. You can only beat who you play. Well if you played a bunch of crumbs and you couldn't score in Iowa on a Saturday night, you don't deserve to be in the championship playoff. Absolutely not. You weren't that good to begin with. Michigan fans upset. All in my Twitter mention. 
Oh, John, what, what are you talking about? Oh, the Florida State's not that good. Oh, we would, we would kill Florida State. The nerd, what does this Florida State fan know? What is he talking about? Yeah. And look, fate would have it. Every Michigan fan that I've spoken to's default has been to bring up my team that played a harder schedule and played better football in the second half of the season. Yeah, I defaulted to the fact that I, I cheered for Florida State. And now, look, look, now you got to play us. You think it's an accident? I, I wanted this so badly. You don't understand how badly I wanted this. Because all of you Michigan fans sticking your chest out with a, with, with a team that plays really good defense or played a bunch of crumbs and take advantage of those crumbs, you're going to play a real team in the Orange Bowl. They're going to play a real team in the Orange Bowl. Huh? And I want to hear what y'all got to say when y'all play that real team in the Orange Bowl. Let me get a sip of this coffee right now. Excuse me. You know what I'm saying? Social media creation. Another team, another storyline that is a creation here has got to be the Golden State Warriors. For the time Kevin Durant signed with this team, the talk would be, oh my God, you know, athlete moves from one team to the next. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that at all. How could Kevin Durant leave Oklahoma City and go to Golden State there and just beat them in the playoffs? It's a rivalry. It's this. It's that. All oh, he's getting beaten. He's trying them. Blah, 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 blah. They're villains. The Golden State Warriors are villains. And that's been the social media creation, the sports media creation. Sports and social media, really. Uh, when did the Golden State Warriors become villains? The only thing villainous about the Golden State Warriors is Draymond Green. Seriously. The flying legs everywhere like he's Chun-Li. The only thing villainous is Draymond Green. Kevin Durant, as much as they try with the whole Kevin Durant is not nice campaign, he's a nice guy. He just has problems with the media. Clay Thompson is too cool for school. Steph Curry is the babyface assassin. These guys don't know how to be villains. They're not D-Wade and LeBron in 2011 and 2012 with Chris Bosh. They can't embody that. They damn sure not the Black Mamba in his prime. They can't embody that. They're not villains. They've been pushing this storyline so hard. This sports media creation so hard. That is that is undercutting the fact that all the talk about, oh, there's not enough ball school around. Oh, Clay Thompson. Oh, this and that. Steph Curry's averaging 26 a game. Kevin Durant's averaging 27 a game. We're, they're not talking about that at all. They're trying to bait and switch you by talking about Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, and the Unibrow. When Kevin Durant is averaging 27 a game and shooting 57% from the field. 50-40-90, Kevin Durant, second best player in the world on any given night. Because when, when Chef is cooking, he could be the second best player in the world on any given night. You got the second best player on any given night shooting 57% from the field? Remember what I told you guys when this deal went down. Everybody was harping about Russell Westbrook and how he felt and this and that. I told y'all, this guy, Kevin Durant, ran away from Russell Westbrook and made a basketball decision. He looked at what the Golden State Warriors did as a team. He looked at his own skill set and said, you know what? This offense, this system, the way they play the game is perfect for me. I'm playing these dudes in the playoffs and I'm looking at how they play ball 
And I'm saying I want to be a part of that Everybody's harping about Oh he joined the enemy Hulkamania While trying to beat them He was admiring how they played ball And looking at a dude Who's a high usage point guard Who plays like half the time He forgets KZ's even on the court And now we're going to make them a villain We're going to make them a villain And they playing some pretty damn good basketball Let me repeat that again 27 points per game He's shooting 57% from the field. He's having close to what LeBron had his last year in Miami when LeBron shot 58 for the season. That's probably the most not talked about stat of LeBron James' entire career with everything he's done. Is that his last year in Miami because of the season ended is such a disappointment. He shot 58% from the field out yet. KD's doing that his first year. No transitional period. It's, it's that they, they play such a, a high-paced game with numerous possessions, a high efficiency game that everybody gets to eat. That shot been that clay shot has been broken. So you know the numbers is not there the way you'd like it to be there. He's he's just on the turn of the quarter with his jump shot. But 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 the seamless transition of KD and Steph off the rip, y'all should be afraid, man. Y'all should be definitely afraid of this team. We busy harping about villainy. This team is about to run everybody off the court. All this talk about Kevin Durant and how bad he is and, oh, Russell Westbrook, another sports media creation. Yo, he's putting up these triple-doubles. Beautiful. But in his last six games, he shot 38% of the field, averaging seven turnovers per game. He's playing high usage, low efficiency. Give up the ball, Rusty. I'm just saying. Let me sit my, let me, I'm going to have a little more of my coffee. All this talk All this talk about villains The real villains is the Cleveland Cavaliers They're the ones who've been trolling the Warriors Since they won the championship And that gets treated like a joke It's just fun They're being all winners Every chance they get And they get a pass Kevin Durant goes to the Golden State Warriors They're the villains Think about that for a second The Chicago Cubs Now the story of them, you know, 1908, the curse, the Billy Goat, Bartman, all of that, that's not a sports media creation. It's not. But the, but the treatment of their season, to me, is a sports media creation. Now, you're going to ask me why. Like, what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that, Joe? How is that a, a sports media creation? Coming into this season... They had the best team on paper And they had one of the best managers If not the best manager in the game Why were we treating this season like a coronation As opposed to this The curse The curse The curse Busy talking about the curse When in all actuality This was the best team going from day one they had the best record essentially all season long. The only time we had a chance to fully invest in their story is when they were down 3-1 in the World Series. But before that, treating them like the plucky Cubs, the lovable losers, that was not believable. It was a sports media creation. Most baseball people would tell you from the get set, 
that the Cubs are going to win the World Series, and if not win the World Series, they were going to be in a discussion the whole way. The whole way. And, and how did it play out? They were in the discussion the whole way. They had a they had a lineup you couldn't do nothing against. They had decent enough pitching. Then they added a Rawls Chapman to the back end of the bullpen. They were always going to win. But the media wanted you to buy into this beautiful story. The Red Sox in 04 was a beautiful story. The Chicago Cup season was a coronation with the exception of one dramatic moment at the end of the season. Stick with baseball for a second before I go on to my next sports media creation. So, Bryce Harper's kind of a sports media creation, too. Don't get me wrong. He's good. He's really good. But for him to be asking for $40 million per, he's leaning towards he want having a, a, three, a $400 million contract. Has Bryce Harper had a $400 million or $40 million a year season yet? I mean, last year he had a really great year. Don't get me wrong. But was that worth $40 million? I know the baseball economy is, is something else by itself. I get that. But he, considering the season that he had this year, coming back to earth a bit, is he really a, a, a $40 million a year player? Is he worth $400 mil? If he's worth $400 mil, then Mike, not Mike Stanton, uh, my man, uh, Mike Trout, Mike Stanton. Why did I say Mike Stanton? That's a former Yankee. Mike Trout is worth $600 million. No offense, Mr. Harper, but in all actuality, you can't fully expect any team to give you $400 million. Not $300 mil, considering what Giancarlo Stanton got. I could see that. Maybe $320. Okay, $322. Maybe. But $400? You have not had a $400 million season yet. You haven't had a $40 million per season yet. So you, you you and your representatives need to sit down. Not a tape. Sports fans. I am the logical sports fan. I am the voice of the logical sports fan. We all know he's not worth no $40 million. Mike Trout, $40 million player. $400 million over 10 years player. Bryce Harper, $300, $280, $290. That about it. The Los Angeles Lakers. Sports media creation. So now, you're going to say to me, what exactly about the Los Angeles Lakers is a sports media creation? The entire coverage of this team from the tail end of the Kobe Bryant era all the way through to the the post-Kobe era has been a sports media creation. They railroaded the Lakers in the media. They tried to make them a joke, and they successfully made them a joke. They disrespected Kobe. They undercut a lot of things about Kobe. They, they, they They wrote hack job articles about him. They did everything they could to vilify this franchise since the failed CP3 trade. It's been an undertone of roasting until it became full-on roasting to the point that fan bases from other teams have been feeling big enough and puffing up their chest enough to where we can talk about the Lakers too, even though our franchise is pretty trash, but the Lakers are bad right now, so I guess we can talk about the Lakers because the Lakers are bad. Right. These things have happened. But what we all knew and what was underreported this whole time is, is that, and I'm a Kobe guy, I love him, but the Lakers were never as bad as it seemed, with the exception of maybe 
the year that they, they, they ended the season and got the second pick and drafted D'Angelo Russell. Last year, they weren't that bad. Two years prior, when they ended up drafting Randall, Kobe got hurt. They, they had a pretty decent start to the season. How do I remember that? Besides being a Laker fan, my Facebook memories. My Facebook memories had me posting about the Lakers and how surprised I was in D'Antoni's last season that we came up. I had a pretty decent start. Yeah. Shout out to Facebook for their memories. They should pay me. That's, that's pub right there. But this whole time, bashing the Lakers, running down on the Lakers, all these basketball people knew that it wasn't as bad as it seemed. All these basketball people knew that Byron Scott was a big reason why this team was bad and that Kobe Bryant was getting a, a higher amount of shots than he should have gotten. Kobe shot like 35% or something crazy like that last season, but still led the team in shot attempts. And the coach was, was the coach was letting that ride. Seriously. And now, oh, big surprise. Big surprise. The Los Angeles Lakers are ahead of the pace that we set with them. We all had them only winning 24 games. Of course, the team will get exponentially better when you hire a coach who plays modern NBA basketball and you get rid of the of a low-efficiency two-guard and put the ball in the hands of your young playmakers, all of whom have at least one year of NBA experience. Julius Randle's in his third year. Jordan Clarks is in his third year. Larry Nance, while he's in his second year, did four years of college. D'Angelo Russell is in his second year. You don't have, like, little pups. The only guy who's wet behind the ears really is Ingram. And even still, you're not asking him to do too much. You brought in good basketball players. Mozgov might have been overpaid. Might have been. Might have been. But the fact remains is that when he's been right and healthy, he's been useful. I remember when in the finals two years ago when he was playing against the Golden State Warriors, I looked at him and I was like, you know, that's not a center I wouldn't mind having on the Lakers. Luol Deng is a good basketball player, albeit he hasn't been very good thus far, but his presence in the locker room and the fact that he's not taken away from the kids has allowed these guys to flourish. And then you, once again, going back to the coach, you have a coach putting these guys in the right places on the floor, making the right calls. Like, you know, Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell can't play much of the games together. They do some of the same things. So why not separate them? A subtle move like that lets you know that this is modern NBA happening in Los Angeles. But they still wanted you to believe that this team was a bad team. And they, and they swayed it that way. 25 wins and another lottery bound. They had too many good ball players on this team. Swaggy P didn't just forget how to play. He was with a dude who didn't like him. Couldn't get with his swag. You open up the court like he did under Dan Tony, he'll flourish. He's flourishing now before he got hurt. But sports media, what did you believe that the Lakers were in the doldrums? Did Jim Buzz not, not help himself? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but when you really put it down, the team was never as bad as it seemed. And things were never as bad as they were made out to be by the people in the media. Ladies and gentlemen, those are your 2016 sports media creations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How y'all feel about that? Let me know. Hit me on Twitter. Talk to your boy. Um, I want to shift the gear. Let's talk a little NFL. Week 13 is in the books. I would say we had some eye-opening moments, big-time eye-opening moments. I want I want to start with Cam Newton and his coach clearly having a meeting of the minds to the point that he had to sit out the first play because he didn't wear a tie. Yes, that, that's what happened, guys. He didn't wear a tie. 
had to sit out the first play. And what happened on the first play, y'all? An interception. Can't you can't you can't write this? Like if I was a, if I was a, a TV show writer and I wrote that scene in, the production team or the executive producer would see this and say, "This is too cheesy. This is too predictable. Write something else." So for that to happen, and then for them to get rolled forty to seven by by the Seattle Seahawks, that tells me that the Panther season is over. Maybe maybe it's too takey. Maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit. But from my perspective, this season is over. Forty to seven in prime time. Forty to seven in prime time. You you bench yourself quarterback. Because you want to prove a point. Why do, why do we have a, a, a rule in the NFL like you got to wear a tie? Come, like, these are grown men. It's bad enough they don't get to flourish. They get fired for wearing the wrong cleats. They get fired for taking their helmet off because they don't want to be, they, they don't want to market the players. They want to market the team. They want to market the shield. You got so much rules in the NFL. They play the most physical sport. They get paid the least out of the major sports, with the exception of the quarterback. And now you're trying to tell this grown man, MVP Cameron Newton, he has to wear a tie and then you sit him out for the first play of the game. I, I remember when Ron Rivera was on the chopping block. Considering the fact that they've fallen so hard backwards, I might want to put him back on the chopping block. I'm not going to hold you up. I think I might want to put him back on the chopping block because obviously, obviously he's a little too comfortable in his position. But when you consider what's happening with Jeff Fisher and his mustache and his mullet, coaches are safe these days. But y- y'all got to get a grip. Grown men playing football, you don't punish him for not wearing a tie. Get rid of the rule altogether. It's, it's not like he came through with his pants sagging and a big graphic t-shirt on and a low-fitted hat and a do-rag on like Iverson in his peak. I love that outfit, by the way. My man came through in a turtleneck style and a profile, and you beat him by the tie, coach? Get a grip. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams, though. You get a situation where you have a coach who's been doing absolutely nothing. I've been doing my research in the L.A. media. I also listen to their shows out there. I'm a Laker fan. Hello. And they're saying that because it's a transitional period in L.A., they don't want to have to add coaching search to the numerous things that they're already doing. All right. I can get with that. But this is Los Angeles. Outside of New York and maybe Chicago, top media capital in our country. What are you doing with this dude and his mustache and his mullet? Why, why is he still comfortably employed? Why is he getting an extension? The, the coaches would line up to live in L.A. and coach the Rams right now. It wouldn't be much of a search as opposed to it would be a pageant because these guys would be dying to get paid. But to give them an extension, you give the GM an extension, they have no skill players. They have no O-line. Let me not say no skill players. They have Todd Gurley, but they have no skill players on the outside, no tight end, no O-line. They have a rookie quarterback who's wearing gloves to throw. Jesus, they're in trouble. They waited about damn near 10 weeks to get the, the rookie kid on the field when everybody else was playing. Even the fourth-round pick quarterback was playing. But he had to wait 10 weeks to play. What's happening in Los Angeles? Can, can I get an answer somewhere? Please. Can somebody put me on? 
Because I'm confused. They were no offense. No. Absolutely no offense. It's almost a bad joke. Almost a bad joke. I feel like it's sabotage in Los Angeles. Big time sabotage. I could be wrong. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But I see them get ran off the field. Lose. They, they, they gave up 49 points to the Saints. Then in between games, in that 49-point shellacking, you get this man an extension. And then they look lifeless, dropping passes everywhere against the Patriots. Todd Gurley, they don't even, they don't even use this guy as well as they should. I, I, clearly, clearly, I chose the wrong career path because job security in the NFL is at an all-time high. Bum coaches can keep jobs, play prehistoric football, have a prehistoric approach to dealing with grown men, and keep their jobs. I need to come back in the next lifetime and coach some football because obviously I'm doing something wrong. I'm just saying. Maybe maybe y'all can put me on. Mm-mm-mm. I'm a little frustrated with, with, with the NFL right now. <sighs> I had to take a deep breath. Two teams came in the last week. Well, this, this past week, winners of six straight games. Those two teams were the Miami Dolphins and my beloved New York Football Giants. Both teams proceeded to be embarrassed and have their six-game winning streaks be broken. It got broken so bad that I have to now question the validity of these win streaks. 38 to 6. The Ravens. Ravens' offense has looked putrid much of the season. And they put up 38 on the Dolphins. Dolphins could only muster six points. Everybody's loving off Ryan Tannehill. I'm seeing all these analytic experts saying that it's his own line and, he, and, and this and that. And, you know, if he was in a better situation, he would be better. If you ask me, he's just not good. <laughs> I've been saying it the whole way. He's just not good. At the end of the day, I don't, I, I you know, I did the, the NFL season preview. I didn't think much of the Dolphins coming into the year. Was I surprised? Was I surprised by what they did? Absolutely. Seven and five. At this point in the season, did I see this? No. I figured they'd probably be about six and ten. So they're already ahead of the, the pace that I set for them. But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if they lost every game the rest of the way. I don't believe in this team. I think what we saw yesterday, that 38 to 6 whipping, is closer to who they are than the six game winning streak they were just on. Y'all can say what y'all want to say, you know. But when I look at the Dolphins, I don't see a team with anything to speak of. They got a they had a, they got a quarterback who was a little shaky. They had a running back who got hot. I get at him. He got hot, but once the NFL film is out, all of that heat gets doused. Fire extinguisher. It's over. That being said, if they were to prove me wrong. I found a way to go nine and seven, or even eight and eight. I'll come in and I'll give them a little bit of credit. But don't be surprised if they don't win another game the rest of the season. To my beloved Giants, I'm not gonna hop on the fact 
that they lost the game. These things happen. You're not, you're, they were going to lose at some point. When you, when you look at their schedule and you saw how things shook out, I was like, all right, it's possible that they will lose this game. I don't mind losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't get caught up in the, oh, well, the Cowboys beat them, so, yo, we got to shut the Cowboys fans up, so we got to win. Nah, that's it. It don't matter to me. Not at all. My issue was the way it looked. It was not a good look, guys. We looked lost on offense. The defense tried its guts out. They tried everything to win that game. The offense did everything to hand the game back to Pittsburgh. That's a problem for me. The offense has been average to bad all season long. You hide an offensive coach. Let me remind y'all of that. They hired their offensive coordinator to be their head coach. So if you hire an offensive coordinator to be a head coach, shouldn't your offense be good? The offense was not the problem the past couple of years. It was the defense that couldn't stop a nosebleed. Now all of a sudden we put all this paper into the defense. The defense rises up to the occasion and now the offense is bad? Come on, Giants. That takes you to the point of the matter right now. I believe that the New York Giants need to make a change when it comes to their play calling. I like the offense that we have in place, but I believe that the head coach in his first year on the job, being that he was just a coordinator for two years, it's not like he was a a career coordinator five, ten years of doing this. He's He's seen it all on the football field. Then he became a head coach. He had a better grasp of being with, of what the head guy is supposed to be. This guy was a coordinator for two years. He went from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator to head coach in the last two years. I think that Ben McAdoo needs to hand over the play call reins to his offensive coordinator and just focus on being the head guy. Because it, to me, the way the Giants call plays, the patterns by which they call plays, the situational football. I like the aggressiveness. I like what they do in terms of going for it. You know, some Giants fans say, oh, kick the field, kick the field goal. But you got to think about time and field position. With the exception of going for it at the goal line, which I agree with, I probably would have done the same thing. It's the only time I could probably second guess going for it. Our offense was sputtering. We were looking for a spark. I get it. I respect it. And they wanted to take advantage of when they were on the field. Totally understandable on all fronts. But in terms of what play they call and when they call it, I believe that we need a fresh set of eyes, a fresher mind to call those plays. Let McAdoo deal with the situational football aspects on both sides of the ball. Have his hands in on the defense. Have his hands in on the offense. Do the clock management. Do, do, do the eye. How do we want to approach the situation? I want him to deal with the approach to Giants football. Let the play call and be done by the coordinators. Because it's evident. That he's failing at this. It's been 13 weeks now. All right, you you telling me the Giants are eight and four? I'm all good with that. It's gravy, baby. But if the if the defense has to continue to shoulder the load, they're gonna run out of guys, and the Giants can easily be eight and eight when this season is done because the offense is not picking up the slack. You look at our schedule. We have Dallas coming in this coming Sunday. Detroit Lions is coming behind that. We still have to go to Washington, and we still have to go to, to, to Philadelphia. None of, we have no easy games left. 
You can't you can't call out three and one and just both stick your chest out and say the Giants will go eleven and five. Ten to six is not even promised. Really and truly, the way the Giants look offensively with the games they have remaining, they could easily go eight and eight or nine and seven as opposed to eleven and five or ten and six. You get what I'm saying? So for me, I think at this point in the season, McAdoo needs to focus on on the giant football approach, the brand's approach, and let the coordinators call the plays. Spagnola has gotten a lot better. When the season first started, I was ready to drive him to the airport. He's gotten a lot better. I believe that now if you hand hand the, the, the play calling over to Sullivan, you let him call the plays. He's focusing on the offense specifically Fresh to the eyes He doesn't have the stress of having to manage the game on his shoulders Rookie head coach situation He doesn't have to deal with any of that Let him call the plays You master being a head coach Maybe next season you can take the play caller back But before you become a world champion play caller Which you never were in your two years as a coordinator You called you were good But you were a world champion good You were just good Hand that over to the coordinator I, th- I, I got this feeling in my gut that if you hand over the play caller, the offense will start clicking right away because you have a fresh set of eyes. You have a, diff- you have a different mentality. It will be the same plays, but when and how they're being deployed will make all the difference, in my opinion. Granted, the O-line is bad. The O-line is not going to get miraculously better at this point in the year. We'll get healthy. There's guys who are hurt. There's guys who are hurt. They'll get better in terms of health, but skill-wise, this is who we are. But if we have a situation where certain players are called at certain times to alleviate the issue that is the O-line, the Giants will be better for it. And it's clear after these many weeks in the season, it's time for you to take a step back. It's for the greater good. It's for the greater good. I'm just saying. I need another sip, huh? Shout out to the Oakland Raiders. Shout out to Raider Dre. I'm going to get him back on next week so we can talk a little football. The Raiders are ahead of schedule. I'd like to highlight Raiders. New Orleans Saints, I think this season might be over. <laughs> I, I, would, I would also say keep keep your eye on the Atlanta Falcons. They lost the same way the Saints lost a couple weeks ago. Those kind of losses stick with you. As much as you try to win, the funk of those losses stick with you over time. Keep your eye on the Falcons. Yo, it feels good to be back. I won't lie to y'all, man. I'm feeling real good, man. I'm feeling real good. I also feel good about the fact that you're in the for this time back with the New York Mets. <laughs> feeling real good about that. If y'all hear me cutting up right now, it's that, it's the blog talk radio server being very disrespectful. I wanted to take a look at social media as well. You know, a lot of what I do with car sessions revolves around social media. I promote the show on Facebook. I promote the show on Twitter, predominantly Twitter. So I get to see a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of extreme viewpoints, a lot of cosignery. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call it. A lot of cosignery happening on the net. And it's not enough people really voicing their opinions. They just say things for reactions. For instance, today, we had the whole Matt Barnes scenario happening, right? He allegedly put hands on a, on a female. 
allegedly put hands on a female in the club, you know, after you had Nick fans in the garden chanting Derek Fitcher, which I thought was very ruthless. That was horrible. Nick, yo, y'all Nick fans are terrible, man. And then y'all wonder why y'all lose the way y'all lose. And stuff like that. Y'all are horrible. How you gonna chant Derek Fitcher? Co- Think about this. A coach y'all wanted to run out of town. Y'all couldn't wait for Fisher to go. But then y'all use that on a dude who Derek Fisher wrong. And part of the reason why y'all wanted Derek Fisher to go is because he broke some man code by violating Matt Barnes on top of the fact that y'all didn't like his coaching. But those two things together in controversy, I had an issue with that. But then y'all still chanted his name to get under the skin of that player. Y'all Nick fans are something else. But I go to social media, right? And I'm seeing these tweets about Matt Barnes. And you got a situation where they are are trying to roast Matt Barnes on the internet. As opposed to saying, you know what? We was wrong for that, Knicks Nation. I tweeted out I tweeted out that Matt Barnes probably went to the club to take out his frustrations on, on, on Nick fans everywhere. You know what I'm saying? And people really were like liking it. I, I That was one of my most liked tweets ever. Let me tell you what I said. I said if the Matt Barnes allegations are true, I blame Nick fans for it. That, that, that Derek Fish chant was ruthless. I followed that up by saying Matt Barnes probably was like this choke is for every Nick fan in the garden tonight and lost his mind. Nick fans gobbled that up. They loved it. They loved it. They loved every second of that. I'm seeing history of sports. Nick fans are savages, LOL. Matt Barnes couldn't deal with that, LMAO. They got a gift for Shaq looking upset. <laughs> they, got, they, and they, they have a picture of Ike Turner and put hashtag Matt Barnes. This is all on social media. You people are ruthless. I thought I was bad. I think, you know, everyone who knows me, my personal life knows I can be horrible. I'll say some outrageous things. But I do it amongst my friends and my situates and my family for, you know, shock value. I don't mean what I say 75% of the time, unless I'm legitimately upset. But in a casual setting, I say a bunch of things for, for giggles. Y'all putting that on a net? Y'all cut your Oh, my goodness. You know what I'm saying? Then I'm seeing this whole thing about Draymond Green and oh, Draymond Green needs help. Draymond Green this and that. He calls out. He calls out James Harden. James Harden calls himself a trendsetter. People lose their mind everywhere. They saw posts and pictures of the new James Harden kick. I'm seeing videos of him going from from Adidas shop to Adidas shop promoting his kicks to their co-signing the trendsetter movement. But not the fact that what Draymond Green actually said about the fact that what, what James Harden does to draw fouls by way of keeping his hand low and then ripping it through the defender's arms on the way for a layup is not necessarily a, a natural basketball move, and he gets the call for it every time. You know? We're not talking about that. You know, I, I'm going to start doing this a little more. I'm going to go on Twitter, right? I'm going to find tweets that I find to be extremely hilarious. And I'm going to share it with y'all. Because sports fans on the net, they're some interesting people. Very interesting people. I don't think it gets any better than sports fans on the net. 
Then you then you have the fans, you know, after the Cowboys after the Cowboys win their game, you got that the group of angry Cowboy fans and, and it's almost like a unison. They're like a choir. They're all griping about the fact that no one respects their schedule that they've played thus far. Oh, what what, what they gotta do with anything? Oh, we, we, y'all just hate us because we tried to win. We the Cowboys. Oh, we the Cowboys. We're 11 and 1 now. We beat the Vikings. It's just facts. Y'all didn't play anybody. What happened? <laughs> Why y'all getting so bent out of shape and then running to the nearest keyboard to type in your angers and, and on top of that, challenge the sports knowledge of every fan in the process. You don't know football. You don't know what you're talking about. You obviously don't follow the sport. Really? Boy, every now and again, I'm not going to lie. I troll. I troll hard on the net because I know if I... If I if I just if it's like a a canister of oil, all I need to do is drop one little match in there, and it starts to blaze. And the way some of y'all get emotional on the internet, it's too easy. So I do it just for a laugh. I might be at work in this slow. Let me get this emotional sports fan pissed off by saying something that I know will piss him the hell off. Y'all gotta relax. Every week on car sessions, I'm, what I'm gonna do through the week is I'm gonna fire all the tweets related to certain sports scenarios that happen, especially the newsworthy ones, and I'm gonna save those tweets. I'm gonna like them, and I'm gonna have them in my like list, and I'm gonna come on car sessions, and we're gonna talk about it together. I'm not gonna put their names out there out of respect, but we're gonna talk about what led to this reaction, whether irrational or whatever, because it's funny to me. I'm late to the party. On a social media thing when it comes to sports. But it's evident that this is the realm for me. I could comb through it and let and let the logical voice of sports comb through all the irrational, emotional, erratic, and everything else in between. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Call Session Sports Report, man. It's good to be back. I gotta tell you, I took a couple of weeks off. Had to reconvene, had to handle some business, but I'm back. In the coming weeks, you already know how we do. We're going to have some guests come on. I got a surprise for y'all coming real soon. Something completely and utterly unexpected coming real soon. Football season is coming to a head, so you know the football analysis is going to get ratcheted up now. Everybody that's going to come on and talk football knows the game. They know the ins and outs of the game. I'm looking for, actually, I'm looking to have one guy be, you know, my Peter King. Come through, break down certain games, break down what he saw, what 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 made this play be what it was, and how it worked out, and how it might have decided the game. I'm telling you, it's that time of the year. Y'all know what we do on car sessions. When, when, when the playoffs and everything rolls around and the, the level of football increases, the level of analysis increases. So all the guests coming on car sessions in the coming weeks will be joining us to really break down these games and talk about what we expect in the postseason and eventually the Super Bowl. NBA season is still in its infancy. You know, Christmas time is the unofficial start of the season. They got to play games. They got to make money. But Christmas Day is where the season really starts. And, and yeah, y'all know y'all know what time it is. It's December 5th, 20 days from now. The Trolls versus <laughs> the Golden State Warriors because the Cavaliers, they've been trolling ever since they won a the championship. Um, look, you heard what uh, Iman Shepard said when they play me, gonna bust that ass. That's what he said, y'all. Y'all might not have heard about that, but Google it. I'm putting y'all on right now. Go Google that. Iman Shepard says 
when they play the Warriors or if they play them in the finals again, they're going to bust their ass. Yes, he said that. I'm not making that up. Look it up. It's on the net. Hockey is, is in full swing. I'm going to get my homie Lonnie to come on, Lonnie Schwartz, our, our, our resident goalie on car sessions. He's going to be coming on in the future. You know, the sports report. It's not just NBA. It's not just NFL. We do a little bit of everything. Everything. Can you hear the excitement? You know, I, I miss doing this, you know. I, I had things that I needed to do. I was tempted to do a couple of just check-ins with y'all, but you know what? I was like, you know what? Let me let me chill out. Let me let me relax. Let me wait and it just and just bring the heat how I normally bring it on that Monday slot. How how it usually rock out, how it rocks out. But ladies and gentlemen, once again, it's the sports support. I ain't going nowhere. Each and every Monday, 5.30 or otherwise. And you know what? If it's, a, if it's a different time, I'll put you on. Until next time, Jarvis out. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.